Our job is to make sure that we respect. We've got the easiest part. So we need to respect what the farmer and producer have given us. You know, they've done the hard part. They've had to deal with the weather. They've had to deal with everything else. We've got the easy part. We just need to respect it. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Growing up in a family with a rich southern Italian ancestry, Danny Russo always had a wonderful connection to food. And at the heart of much of what they did was a celebration of the whole pig and using every part of it. So when he embarked on a career as a chef, the pig underpinned much of his culinary journey. Danny, your family originally from Basilicata in Italy. How important is the pig to the food of Basilicata? Well, one of the most important parts is that the the, the pig or the pork down south, you know, is fundamentally an asset for the farming families. And you've always got to remember is that down south, obviously being a little bit of the poorer part of, of the nation, there were a lot of farmers. Agriculture was huge. And that's why they paid uh, and always respected, um, you know, the pig because with the pig, nothing goes to waste. You know, you, we need to remember that there are – the reason why there are so many great uh, pork products is because there are so many good parts to the, to the pig, <laughs> which, is, which is always one of the most important parts. And, and when, when we talk about paying homage to an animal, um, the most important part is that you need to understand it's fr- literally from nose to tail because, you know, we use it in the starters. We use it in the cured meats, smoked meats. We use it. We use the blood to make, you know, whether it's a sausage or a dessert. You know, we use the intestines for all the casings. We do use the meat. We use the bones. We also um, use the fat as well, which is really important because we use the fat not only for, you know, for the preserving part of things, but also they use it in the pastry. You know, and, and one of the most important parts, I mean, strutto is is every baker's, every every pastry chef's dream. And that's, you know, you make a pastry, you know, for example, you use the sfogliatelle in Abladana uh, and you use the pastry, uh, you use the strutto for the pastry. And there's nothing like it. I mean, it's absolutely out of this world and the flavours are just on the next level. Hence, when people talk about, you know, paying homage uh, to the pig or to the pork, people need to understand the history behind it all. And you've got to go back. I mean, it's not just the Italians, but also through Asian uh, culture, the Dutch, uh, European. Um, it is just unbelievable the amount of, um, obviously, there are a couple of cultures because of the religion um, that they use pork, but pretty much everyone else. You know, the way they use pork is just – and don't forget the Dutch, you know, have, have a bit of a saying, just just like the Italians, is, is that, um, you know, pigs root forward. So it's also it goes – it brings them a lot of luck in a, in a lot of cultures. I mean, when you look at the history and you look at and understand what it's all about, you know, it, you've got to – bring into it the fact that, for example, in Italy, especially in Rome or down south, one of the, the dishes that you have to celebrate 
coming into the new year is the Zamponi alla Romana, which basically the coin, the, the lentils, uh, symbolic to the the ancient Roman coins that they used to have, which obviously means wealth, prosperity, and and eating the meat because don't forget they always didn't kill the animals because that was such a prized possession and such a prized um, fundamental part of the family uh, farming families that you know they only killed them on special occasions so therefore there was always you know having that zamboni I mean to me that brings me back to when I, I worked in Rome that was one of the first jobs they gave me so to <laughs> oh man, that's another story. It was fantastic. So, um, you know, you, you got to remember it was, you know, in, in the uh, mid uh, 90s, you know, I was a, a young, uh, young chef, um, you know, coming out of London or well, first here in Australia, um, you know, winning a few awards, which was fantastic. Then I went over to to London and, and like, you know, most uh, young chefs in their, when they're in their mid to late 20s think they're, uh, you know, God's gift to everything. And uh, it wasn't until I went into into Rome at uh, Sabatini's and it was around Christmas time when, you know, we were doing uh, the Zamboni. So I remember the executive chef comes around and my cousin also worked there, which was fantastic. So I thought, I you know, I'm a hotshot chef and I'll come in, I'll teach them a few things. What, what a big surprise that was. They said, see all those, see all those legs there? They, they, we need you to tunnel bone them, stuff them, sew them all up and get them all ready. And I remember the first one took me about an hour. And then I was giving me, you know, didn't I come back a, a few pegs, mate? It was amazing. By the time I finished my stint, I was able to debone stuff, so put them all back together in 10 minutes. So... And it's, um, and it's something that's very close uh, to my heart simply because, um, you know, coming from an Italian uh, family, um, you know, we used to make, especially with my parents and my auntie and uncles uh, when they were around, you know, we used to make uh, the salami and the prosciutto and all of this and it was, it was, uh, it, it was the whole um, experience about going out to the farm where the cousins were over in Orange and, and picking the pig that, you know, they were going to feed and look after for the next several months. So, therefore, by the time it came round to make the salami, oh, mate, we were in heaven. It was amazing, you know, because it was a, such an amazing day and it was a great ritual in the sense that the whole family would be involved. You know, all the stories, you know, it was almost like the fish that got away, you know, and as a you know, as a young kid, you um, you get to listen. And, and it was really, I mean, don't forget, you know, going back, you know, 40-odd years ago, 40, 45 years ago, and we lived in a predominant area where there were a lot of Italians, you know, Abbotsford, Five Dock, uh, Leichard, Haberfield was full of Italians, so you didn't need to speak English. And everybody around Easter time was that, you know what, you were making salami that weekend because that was the beginning of of the colder uh, months, and so it was perfect. So all those, you know, before they used to have all these, you know, well, today they've got all the uh, Mercedes and Lamborghinis and Ferraris in the garage, and many years ago, mate, it was all the salamis and prosciuttos ready, you know, <laughs> ready to be cured and aging, which was which was great. And um, But, yeah, they're the things that um, are very important. So, you know, 
in the south of Italy, it's, it was obviously the vegetables, but it was more so the pig, you know, which was really, really important. And they were very innovative all those years ago. I mean, you know, to think about it, you know, it's still, um, I tease my nephew, you know, every year because, you know, he loves, uh, he loves eating Nonna's, uh, you know, chocolate cake that she makes around Easter time. I go, mate, you know, why does Nonna only make this special chocolate cake when we make the salami, you know? <laughs> because a tradition for down south is that we have the, um, the pizza dolce, which is um, chocolate and uh, mixed with, uh, with pig's blood. And prior to the chocolate being introduced um, in the 18th century, prior to that, they used to use molasses. Yeah, so it, it goes back. Every dish, there's a story, there's history. This is, it's, it's, it's very important that you need to, to understand all of these things. It's not a matter of, you know, okay, let's have, uh, you know, just a, a pork steak on the plate. There's a whole history. We're talking thousands of years. And even prior to that, understanding that before the chocolate, there was molasses, before molasses. And then, and this is what, you know, um, so therefore the pig, especially for the southern Italians, is, you know, is very important. And because of, of being fortunate enough to travel the world through work and everything else, you know, having spent a lot of time in China, um, in Korea, they use a lot of pigs, you know, and, and again, there's nothing that goes to waste, absolutely nothing. And that is one of the best things about it is that, you know, when people say they pay respect to the pig, they really do. Um, and conceding people's cooking. You've had a, an amazing career as a chef, which we'll get into, but what lured you to a career as a chef? Well, mate, the, it was, but it was very, very early on. Um, it uh, the, in our family, there's two parts: either you're in uh, in restaurants or you're a builder. I, mean, I can't change a light bulb to save my life, you know. <laughs> so, and plus, you know, working with my dad, who was the builder, it was it was, it was hard work. Whereas my mum was always feeding me; she was always in the kitchen, which was fantastic, and that's something that I loved. And it just came out naturally. It, it, one of the things that when I was at school, you know, and I was, you know, early on, you know, obviously like most boys going back uh, 40 or so years ago, you know, you, you would do the, the paper run, you know, and then you, you, you matured and you started working in, um, in the restaurants. And my first job, because uh, my auntie was a fantastic uh, chef, she used to work at some very good restaurants in Sydney. One of them was called um, La Rustica in, in Leichhardt and the other one was uh, La Strada in Potts Point. So she was one of the chefs. And because she was such a fantastic, I used to go and work with her. And, you know, being a kitchen man at the age of nine, you, you get to learn. And that's something that I really enjoyed. And then getting to learn to make pizzas and the bread and all of that. So for me, it just, it, it became a way of life. Go to school, play soccer. You know, I always wanted to play for Man United, but it, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the, the body was telling me otherwise, mate. So. I'm still one of the best, uh, you know, couch managers in the world. My team's never lose. But um, the, the passion and the love for food is something that you, you can't read from a book. It's People can't tell you to go do this. It's actually got to come out naturally. And it's, it's, 
and it's not even a way it's it's a way of life it's not a lifestyle a lifestyle you get purchase everything whereas a way of life you know i would never I'll never forget, you know, on the drive up to Orange to go get the, the pigs from my cousin's farm, we would, you know, stop over at Oberon in the mountains and all that to go pick up pine mushrooms, you know. So it was always in the family to do all of these things. So it was just the lead up going up to the farm, visiting your cousins, getting the pig, bringing back. And I always thought that, you know, everybody had, uh, you know, Pigs in their garage at Easter time, and everyone used to make. <laughs> everyone used to make the wine and 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 the tomatoes and all of this. So, you know, it. Um, it this was. Th- these are all the memories that you know. You, you, I'm just remembering them now. I'm thinking, my, my God, no wonder I never had the opportunity to have a six pack because my mum and my aunt were absolutely fantastic uh, cooks. So, it, uh, you know. What were the really important sort of venues and influences on you as you started your career? What, what sort of kitchens had a big impact on you? Well, look, um, I did my apprenticeship um, again back quite a few years ago. I was, I was over at, uh, at Mary Vales. That's where I started my apprenticeship. And I had two very good, she- hey, I had two very good chefs. Um, one of them, uh, his name was Todd Finnegan. He was, he was the master with people management skills. I knew that... Um, the one thing that uh, I always knew about the flavours and how to cook and all of this because, you know, you've just been brought up, you know, making fresh pasta when you were a kid or how to make the salami or how to do all of these things, deboning um, was something that came out. Um, I was always um, had the opportunities to see it, so you always get to learn. But um, in a kitchen, in a professional environment, it's very important that you learn people management skills. The other one was also you know, which was uh, very important, was uh, David Kuma, who was, um, who's in WA, does all the truffles. And what he had was he introduced me to a lot of the um, uh, balance of flavours and the palate, especially in the Asian uh, flavours. It's something that was quite uh, new and, 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 and quite, um, you know, I wasn't really into it. But the, the one that was really uh, inspirational and made everything really come together, um, not only from the personal side of where you, you need to cook from the heart and making sure that, you know, the food was number one. But also, and believe it or not, was actually Mr. John. He had a, a vision and a foresight that was second to none. I've never met anyone like him and I've travelled uh, quite a lot. He His vision for the industry, this is going back in the uh, early 90s, was, you know, still today people haven't even reached half of what, he used to think about back then. Um, so I was very fortunate. So I had a very good foundation, a very good start. And then from there, um, I teamed up with uh, Manny Spinola and we did Misto. And Misto was, that was quite interesting because it was the first of its kind in being a cafe, a general store and a restaurant underneath an apartment building. And again, it, it was just something that was quite unique and something that you couldn't be compared to. One of the things that I always say to people is that, you know, when people ask me, it's like, you know, yes, I believe in building, they will come, but give them a reason to come. You've got to be something that is quite unique. It's almost like, you know, almost like New York. It's got to be very exciting for the first time you go, but it's also got to be equally as exciting for the person who's been there half a dozen or two dozen times. And that's when you're, um, you're working in a good establishment or you're part of, 
an amazing establishment. And from there, I had the opportunity to go overseas. You know, worked in London with uh, Gary Rhodes, which was, again, um, I wanted. I always did Italian food, and I wanted to do something that was uh, a little bit different in the sense that I wanted to learn a bit of French, a bit of English, and getting to know how um, the kitchens over there operate. Um, Gary Rhodes was, he was, again, he was ahead of his time, and I used to love his philosophy and the way he did things. Unfortunately, he passed away. But, you know, he really did put um, English local food back on the map because it, it was all about the produce, you know, and, and that's and that to me is the most important part. But also not only do you learn about the produce, but you also learn about, you know, how does the customer relate to this produce? You know, it all goes back because if every dish has a story, then all of a sudden the customer feels comfortable and that they want to come back, you know, once or twice a week. And that's our goal in the restaurants for the customers to come back to your restaurant once or twice a week and not just use it as a special occasion place. So, you know, from there came back and I said, well, I, um, Ended up being a partner at Lunico in Balmain, which is where everything started for me, and that's where I brought over the uh, the first dish I put on the menu. I'll never forget was actually the zamponi alla romana. So it, <laughs> you would have thought I had enough of it, but it um, it just had such a great. It's always got a soft spot in my heart. There's no two ways about it because it brings back so many great memories, and it really and truly is respecting the beast from the ground up. And literally that's where they start, you know, with the hoofs, you know, the trotter. That is, it's paramount. And then you work your way up. Tell us about La Unico. That's where you sort of started to make a name for yourself and won chef's hats and um, really sort of put that restaurant on the map in, in Balmain. Do you have any stories from that time and what it was like re- receiving that attention? Uh, we had a lot of fun. It was absolute fun. I, I had the pleasure of working with some really good uh, chefs who were, were still very good friends, you know. Um, the thing was, was that it, it really stamped what I wanted to do, which was I just wanted to do timeless food but not trendy. It needed to be, you know, Italian in spirit and technique, but, you know, with an extended pantry list. And that's something that I've, you know, taken on a journey all the way through. I did it at the Beresford and, you know, looking at doing it at a couple of other places. But one of the most important parts is that, you know, really got to understand what the true meaning of modern Italian food is, which is basically all about the ingredients. It's all about the still the flavours, still the integrity of the dish. It's just different cooking techniques because don't forget, if they had combi ovens 500 years ago, you know, maybe some of the recipes would be a little bit different if they had the sous vide 500 years ago. So these were all the things, but the flavour, the integrity of the dish, uh, the spirit and the it has to be there. Um, but we also got to understand is that, and that's where we set up Cheeto, and it was great having the likes of, you know, Giovanni, uh, Pilu and having Lou Armando there who was always, you know, you know he, he is great because what he did was he kept everyone in line. He used to keep all of them in line, which was fantastic. And you need as as many disagreements I had with him. The best part was was that no matter what, every week we'd be at his uh, restaurant having a glass of wine, trying to solve the world's problems, and we'd still be mates. 
and get invited to come back the week after, which was fantastic. So it's important to, yes, you can voice your opinion, um, but also you can agree to disagree, but also respect the other person's way of thinking, which is paramount, you know, because that's what makes the world go round. You're involved in um, some uh, restaurants like La Studio and the, the Beresford, which were, you know, new builds and groundbreaking sort of uh, venues um, and really pushing that modern Italian uh, message through your cooking. How do you see the Italian scene now? It's uh, evolved so much. Um, what's what's your feeling about it? Well, look, I think that I think it's in a, it's in a very good place, um, but it's almost uh, on a knife's edge of being going to that next level. Um, I honestly believe that some of the Italian food that we do here in Australia, and not just in Sydney, but I'm talking about in Australia, is better than some of the Italian restaurants that there are overseas. And the reason being, yeah, and I say that, I'm very proud to say it. Look, some people might disagree. Yeah, no problem in the world. I get all of that. But we have some amazing chefs here. You know, I spend a lot of time overseas, but you know what? I really enjoy coming back home because I know it's far and few in between as to where I get bad Italian food. Some of our pizzas are bloody amazing. You know, the pastas are amazing. The one thing that Australia has pretty much taught a lot of other people around the world is that you actually don't need to be Italian to cook great Italian food. And that is one of the the biggest key factors that everyone needs to understand, you know, because we have, you know, we are cooking back to its roots. We we have, you know, some of the guys, I mean, look at some of the Italian restaurants that we've got here in Sydney and in Melbourne. Some of them aren't even run by Italians. So that just tells you that we are in a very good place, you know, Um, from where it used to be, you know, uh, pasta with the pink sauce and, overcooked and everything else to what we are doing now. I mean, look, and we've got restaurants that just specialise in doing pasta. Who would have thought that 40 years ago? So that tells me we're in a good place. I mean, like I said, some might agree, some may disagree, but uh, through my eyes and and I do a lot of travelling and I think that we've got some of the best Italian food, um, consistent you know, in the coffee, consistent in the food. Our service every now and then is a little bit how you're going, but the the products, both in seafood, the meat, the vegetables, the cheeses, well, I don't think you can beat. The only thing that we don't have for us or that works against us is that, you know, we don't have the Colosseum, okay? we're, We're still young. We're not thousands of years old. We're only a couple of hundred years old. But give it time. You know, we're in a great place, you know, and, and and I see, you know, I just believe that it's only going to get better. And I strongly believe that. It's hard to keep up with all of the projects that you're involved with these days. Tell us a bit about what you're doing and, and some of the projects and, and where they take you around the globe. Well, look, I've been very fortunate. I mean, with the, the Russellini Group, which is a, a consulting um, company, you know, after the Beresford, one of the best things that came out of the Beresford, um, well, several uh, amazing things came out of the Beresford. One of them was that I got to travel um, 
with the owners of the Beresford, especially because it was very much a New York, uh, very much a New York inspired place. So we got to travel, and one of the things that it did also was that it put me on the map on an international. Um, stage which was great so therefore i got i was getting calls i did a lot of work over in india korea um in china and you just get it's just amazing i mean to think that you know a boy from sydney would get called up to to open up these places in uh, these foreign countries um and they want our food is because it made me realize that you know australians are extremely well respected we're hard workers we look at things in a different way compared to the rest of the world. And, you know, like I've, I've done masterclasses over in Italy and, you know, they just think we're a little bit mad um, because of, of the way they, of the way we, we approach things because it's, it's, it's the way things used to be done before. It's very, it's old school. So we, we, we respect the recipes. We respect the produce. We look at things in a, in a totally different manner. Because when we talk about Australia being a melting pot, I look at it more as a minestrone. We've got so many good things into this place, so why not export um, some of those things over there? I mean, the first time I was over in um, in the States, came back uh, in in 20, uh, 2020, just before the lockdown, and one of the things that I did was, I actually, talking about the pig, I actually did for the first time the... Um, the the, uh, the pork uh, short rib, to similar to the uh, beef short rib, and that's something that you know we came back here uh, not long ago. I had to do a bit of a photo shoot, and I started talking to Michael from um, Havrick Meats, and I said, "Mate, I want to do this uh, pork uh, short rib." And he started talking to me like, "You mean the beef short rib?" I said, "No, no, it's like the beef short rib, but it's only pork short rib, and it's amazing." And so, again, you need to be. As a chef, you know, it's always good to do the pork belly and all that, and I get that. But like I was saying in the beginning is that there are so many good parts to the pig. I just look at it, why narrow just to one or two? Have a look at everything. And, and we've been doing this, you know, we do this, we do the pork tomahawk. These are all the things that I absolutely love because it also gets the producers excited, it gets the butchers excited, it gets the customer excited i mean you know really do you want a a, a vegetarian cheese panini or do you want a uh, a porchetta in cime dell'ape panini that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your job takes you all over the world these days what's what's the the most interesting project that you've worked on um around the globe Around the globe, look, that's a very interesting question i mean uh, we did one over in china uh with ej called the locksmith um, and that was really exciting because we're in Fujian, which is great. We're in the middle of nowhere, um, having to learn a new language, uh, getting to know what it was all about. I mean, we got into a taxi once, and I remember it took us about two hours. And I'm telling you, mate, <laughs> to go from one part of China to the other, and I'm telling you, we went around the same block about 20 times, you know. But <laughs> So you did get to learn. I mean, Korea was amazing. You know, India, again, you know, um, with my Indian brother, Kuma, who's an absolute champion. So we did a lot of work down in Chennai, which is down south. And, you know, we set up an Italian restaurant over there in one of the hotels in the um, ITC Sheraton. Um, and it was, again, you know, you embrace other cultures. You embrace uh, different ways of, of life. And it's and if you don't, life would be very boring. But 
this way here. You get to learn, you get to understand, you get to know what it's all about. You know, is it something that, you know, you can read from a textbook and tells you, and tell you, hey, listen, when you go to these countries, this is what you need to do. No, you need to learn all of this. You need to go over there and experience it firsthand. And, you know, some of the difficulties that you're faced with, I mean, you know, like especially in China, it's a, it's a completely different world to, to the rest. However, no point in getting angry about it. One of the things in the hospitality industry is that you need to be adaptable. You need to be like a, an elastic, know when to, to expand and when, when to contract. Um, and they're the things that you just, you know, you forever learn. You learn the other customs. When you're in um, Korea, you'll get to understand that the Italian cuisine over there is huge. And they're producing beautiful food, amazing food, you know. And it just reminded me of, like, you know, when I was working at Sabatini's in Rome, half of the kitchen there were from either Korea or Japan. So it tells me that, you know, they actually understand and know what it's all about. I mean, the, the boys over there were swearing in the Roman dialect, which was fantastic. So <laughs> they've really embraced it. They just took it to the next level. So and, and the thing is, is that, you know, it's it's like we, we do a lot of clubs and we do a lot of pubs, which is great. You know, like, for example, we do the Oaks Hotel and we, um, in New Jersey. And, you know, been doing it now for a number of years. And the beauty about it is that we're forever evolving, forever changing, making sure, having a look, seeing what it's all about. And we talk about being, it's a timeless place. It's never been trendy. But now you've got, you know, third generation uh, customers there. So that tells you people feel comfortable. They know that it's going to be very good food. I mean, for example, we put on that pork tomahawk over there and it's just, it's done extremely well. And again, you know, if you had put that on a menu uh, many years ago, I always believe that uh, pork, pork steaks, pork tomahawk should be on, you know, your menu, right next right next to your, your ribeye and your scotch fillets and your eye fillets and sirloins. Because that's how, how much I believe in it. And I think it is such a versatile piece of meat. It's so beautiful in the flavours. So, Well, let's talk about a couple of cuts. What, what are some cuts that you love of of the pig? And can you tell us how you best prepare them? Oh, look, that's very simple. Uh, to me, like I said to you, I mean, it's not really a cut, but the, the trotter is one because it's got uh, – special uh, memories for me, which is fantastic. The other one is definitely the pork tomahawk because it was something that you don't see on many menus, something that we, you know, try to develop a little while ago and it's something that I've been pushing because it is a, a beautiful uh, piece of meat. It is just uh, it really and truly is. You know, one of the things that I've always said is that, you know, and I always tell the boys in the kitchen is that, they all these all these cuts of meat they deserve to be on, you know, the menu. Yeah, you know, and, and it's really important. But you don't just put it down the bottom. You've got to put it where the steaks are. Why? Because it, it belongs there. You know, and it's it's paramount that people understand that. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a beautiful pork neck uh, fillet. It's just sensational. Three hundred grams, easy to cook. And the best part is it's that it's just got great flavors. I mean, doing that. Um, the pork uh, short rib for me, you know, that we did just not long ago is, is innovative, it's interesting, it's got beautiful flavours, easy to cook. But more importantly is that it's just great value. You know, the, the, the flavours, 
you know, um, are just so juicy and tender. It's exactly what you want. You know that when you put on the menu, you're not going to have an issue. You know, it's just a given that it is an absolute beautiful piece of meat, full stop, whichever way you want to do it. Pork belly is on menus right across the country, and it's quite common these days. But way back when it became popular, you were you were renowned for your pork belly dish. Should tell us the best way that you cook pork belly. Oh, look, one of the ways that I love uh, doing the pork belly is um, obviously, you know, you, you marinate it and then um, you steam it for about eight hours at eighty-five degrees. Um, but one of the things that I I love doing now is not only do it do it like that, but we also um, we smoke it. So you get these beautiful flavours. So, you know, you steam it, then, you you, you know, you put all your uh, spices on it, then you, then you smoke it. And the flavours that you get are just absolutely – because what happens is, is that, you know, so far the, the, the belly has gone like jelly, which is fantastic. You put some spices on it and then it just starts to – all those spices and flavours start to combine and develop. And then next thing you know, all the way through from start to finish, get all those sensational flavours. And then when you give it a quick roast right at the end, uh, it's just <laughs> – yeah, it, it's just excitement in your mouth. And they're the, the things that I, I just love doing because it's – you know, you're just playing with their techniques, you know. And it's just like when you do, you know, the porchetto, you do something like that. You just get, it's all about the flavour. Then you start to muck around with the techniques. That's where you can play. That's being modern, you know. So you're adding just another layer, another dimension of flavour. Uh, and that, to me, is one of the most important parts. By you doing that, next thing you know, you've just got a burst of flavour that just continues from start to finish, so they're the things that I love. Plus, you know, obviously the ribs are fantastic. But, you know, to me, if you, I get the opportunity to love doing, a, you know, the costelletta milanese but done with pork and, you know, double cutlet, you know, bashed out. Oh, you just, you know, pan fried with, you know, olive oil, a little bit of butter. Oh, it's so good for you, mate. I think that's going to be my dinner tonight. So, you know. Um, you your job takes you all over the world at the moment and has you doing all these sort of different things. What, what do you love about what you do? What I love is that, you know, you get to meet so many different uh, people and, and they're all interesting, which is great, but you're also working with a lot of uh, different chefs from all around the world. I think one of the things that is, it's just not one dimensional, which is fantastic. So, you know, I do a lot of work down in Canberra and one of the things that I love about Canberra is that, you know, on Saturdays there's the markets just up the road, you know, and, and I really enjoy it when you go to the showground, you go to the markets there, get to see what it's all about. They do very – there's a place there that does a, a great bacon and egg roll um, and I'm talking a really good – because they use a, a good slab of bacon. You know, it's not thin, it's nice and thick. And that's exactly what you're looking for at 7 o'clock in the morning. You know, it's really good for the arteries. But, uh, you know, they do good stuff. But the, the thing is, is that you always, you become aware of what it's all about. Because one of the things that's really important is that you can't cook with your blinkers on. You need to see what it's all about. You know, we talk about the pantry list. Well, every time you go to the shop, every time you go to a market, every time you go to all these places, you increase your pantry list, which is the most important because you might not use it today, you'll use it tomorrow. But it's always, 
you're coming up with ideas, and these are all the things that are really, really important. Um, so that's what we're doing. Like, like for example, the one down in Canberra at Marble and Grain, you know, we're starting to do a little bit of dry-aging uh, pork, you know, and that to me is is fantastic. And why? Because, you know, once you start to dry-age pork, it's just like when you dry-age other meats. But what it does, it, it really starts to intensify you know, the flavours. It's still still juicy, it, it's still tender, it's still got everything that you want, but it really it just takes it to a whole new level. So, you know, and, and one of the things that's also paramount for me is, um, you know, we've actually gone out and spoken to the farmers. So one of the farmers that we look, um, that looks after us, they're over in the hall, which is um, not far, it's only a half an hour drive from Canberra um, on the way to Yes. And, you know, when you're talking about paddock to plate, right, that's a bloody good paddock to have, you know. I mean, some people say paddock to plate and their paddock is about a 1,000 k's away. I can understand their definition is a little bit different to mine, you know. Um, but, yeah, and, and this is, you know, you get the opportunity to do all of these things and that's, for me, you know, really important. So every venue, every place that we go to, and it's not just – you know, here in Australia, but, you know, when we're travelling, you know, uh, whether it was India or it's Korea or, or China, you get to see all these places, you get to meet all these different suppliers and farmers and, you know, you look at their hands and, and, and look at what they've done and what they've been able to produce. And it is just unbelievable because you get these projects, you get inspired, you get back to the kitchen. And this is what we do. Our our job is to make sure that we respect. We've got the easiest part. So we need to respect what the farmer and producer have given us. You know, they've done the hard part. They've had to deal with the weather. They've had to deal with everything else. We've got the easy part. We just need to respect it. And if you can understand that, that's where it goes around the world. Well, Danny, look forward to seeing what you do next. It's an absolute honour to have you on The Crackling today to hear just a little bit of your story Please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very much for, for having me on your program, Anthony. And, and very important, you know, congratulations on the, on the great work you are doing for the industry by opening up relevant uh, discussions and, and raising awareness. I mean, this is exactly what was required 30 to 40 years ago for all the young chefs, for the, our industry. And, you know, believe it or not, this is, this is groundbreaking. And, you know, if we had this you know, 40 odd years ago, the industry probably wouldn't be in the mess that it's in today. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, it's great to have you on, Daddy. We appreciate your words too. Keep in touch and um, we'll catch up soon. Speak soon. This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.